0: Those marketing plans that I had created, all those complex campaigns are collecting dust right now. And that's why I'm really excited to talk to you because what I had assumed was going to happen and the only way that I would be successful is to execute on all these crazy marketing plans I had. And it turns out I have done basic marketing and it's been wildly successful.
1: Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory.
2: And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school.
1: So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school.
2: Hey, welcome back. We've got a little bit of a different episode today. I recently did an interview with a client who did something quite remarkable. And I'm not gonna steal too much from the episode. But this client grew by 100 students in about six months, right after they opened their doors. I think this guy's well on his way to becoming a seven-figure music school. And I found the interview to be so powerful that I thought, or Nate and I thought together, wow, we should release this interview. And um, Nate, you said something interesting to me when we were talking about this. And you'd listened to the interview as well and really enjoyed it. But you said there's something here that you know we do spend a good amount of time talking about marketing during Brian's interview. But you said there's also some other things in there that really struck you um, that were outside of the marketing bucket. And I was curious, um, what did you hear there that you felt was so valuable to a music school owner who's... Reaching for seven figures, or maybe is already there.
1: Brian opens with some fascinating comments because he's clearly uh, a veteran marketer. You know, mm. before he opened this, uh, you know, before he opened his music school, and he opens with this comment where he says, "Man, I put together such an immaculate marketing mm. campaign and plan, and now that my doors are open and I have students flooding in, I'm realizing that I really need to work on." other buckets of my business wow yes and he's just like he's like now i really need to focus on how to actually run a sustainable music school um so i just love that the clarity he had right out of the gate he's like you know what i'm doing this really well i'm going to now shift my focus to operations to delivering on promise that kind of thing so yeah i just loved his uh, his awareness yeah. So without stealing
2: thunder from the episode, you know, the big takeaways that I got from here, and I, and I really recommend you listen to all of this because he gets into this more at the end. The two big takeaways I had were one, something that you said there, he had this big marketing plan. And then the thing that moved the needle most wasn't the big complex funnels he planned out and all that sort of thing. And I'll let him get more into that. And the second thing was kind of something surprising. He said at the end, there's a little bit of surprise at the end. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to uh, spoil the surprise. but. Um, I actually had some questions for him, uh, in terms of oh what what were you doing in that particular action? So, this guy is a is a great marketer, uh, grew very very quickly, um, organically, you know. And uh, I think there's something here even for a large school. And um, there was a technique that he used that I do, dug a little bit deeper into and found to be quite fascinating. So, yeah, that's my big takeaway. Any other takeaways you had, Nate? Before we jump into
1: the interview with Brian. I just had a couple. Um, the first one was that he is very clearly uh, leading with mission and purpose, which you mm-hmm. and I really appreciate mm-hmm. when working with um, you know our own seven FMS clients. It's just they're just, you know, we've actually worked with some larger schools, much larger than Brian's school. That are still really trying to get clear on what their mm. value proposition is, and he comes right out of the gate, and he's like, "Look, that is where I started." And if you um, you know visit his website, Rock You, um, you know he's in a he's in a small town in, um, in northern Minnesota, mm. yeah. uh, and yet he's doing these really he's using really great foundational principles. Um, around marketing. So I just love that he's leading with the why. Our listeners will really appreciate that and hear that in a lot of the language he uses. And then my second big takeaway was just he is so clear on the foundational marketing concepts. And so everybody listening here if you if you're either you're thinking what new hack or technique am I missing? Yeah. You'll really appreciate how Brian's like, you know, there's all these opportunities, but let's just focus on what really matters foundationally. So he he even says, man, I got back to the basics and I really got clear on those. And I think you do a great job, um, Daniel, over the course of this interview of being like, okay, I dig it. Let's take it from abstract to concrete actions that you have taken. Yeah. Tell me what that looks like in your week specifically. To make sure you're focused on foundational principles. There's something for everyone here because
2: mm-hmm. he's bridging the gap between being a small studio or school to growing much larger, and you know he's adding more and more students every month based on what he talks about in this interview. So, without further ado, let's just jump into it. So, yeah, I would. love... So, you had, I think, when I, I think you know mid-year this year, you were around thirty something students, and then when I last checked in, you probably have more now. But when I last checked in with you, you had a uh, over 100 I'm pretty sure. And so yeah, so as of today we just hit 130. Okay. So okay. still so, seeing growth. So you've gone up about 100 students in how many months? So we opened we opened our doors on
0: June 1st, right? So we have now seen 100 students gained net in right. uh, no 6 months. Net um, which is huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and we we our attrition rate is is relatively low. We're continuing to grow, um, even with the state of everything right now. Um, You know, I was really expecting to see. Kind of a downturn in about mid-December because for us, um, COVID numbers were really spiking in the state of Minnesota where we're located. Mm. And so I was, I was expecting to see a huge pause, but um, that hasn't happened. If anything, we've seen numbers increase and increase quicker than I anticipated. So mm. I could not be more pleased with how things are going right now. Um, definitely way further ahead. Than where I anticipated being um, when I was planning everything out, you know, my first 12 months of being open, creating draft PLs and, and goals and everything. I'm, I'm a good four to six months ahead
2: of where I thought I'd be at this point. Where you thought you'd be? Yeah, that's fantastic. Um, so, what's interesting is that since you come from a marketing background, you probably came into this and had a really strong plan of what to do. And so, what I love. I'm just going to ask you a series of questions, if that's okay. Yeah, totally. Um, first, could you give me the overview of what your marketing plan was? Understand, I'm just coming from a place of curiosity. I I want to see how someone, uh, a different person thinks than me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I'd just love to like hear like an, your overview of what your marketing plan was. So I think it'd be a good time to just kind
0: of provide a little background on my, my okay. marketing. Yeah. Um, so, so as Daniel, as you know, prior to opening our music school, Rocky Music School, back in June, I had spent the previous decade um, leading marketing, and digital marketing teams in the corporate world. And so um, coming into when I first met you and started joining up with the coaching calls and everything, I've kind of got the inverse relationship with what most of the people in your program have. Which is where most people have a strong background in history of owning music schools, being teachers, and want to learn more about marketing. Whereas I came in and I've got a strong background in marketing and know nothing about owning a music school or teaching right. room like. That. <laughs> and so, um, you know, when before we were opening up the school and everything, I spent the majority of my time creating my marketing plan. Like, what was I going to do? What was you know three six nine twelve month plan? What was that going to look like? How are we going to execute? And I, I was looking at it through the lens of everything I'd done for the past decade. So we're talking complex things. So um, you know I was going to be creating social campaigns, um, customer personas, customer journey maps, then building dynamic marketing campaigns that adjust their content based on your persona type and where you're on the customer journey and how you've interacted with our website and the brand. I was going to create dynamic emails based on those persona types. Um, I had 40 or 50 A-B tests ready to go for all of our emails, landing pages, social campaigns, all that. Um, and so I, it was it was an insane marketing plan because that's what I'm used to creating and that's what I'm used to executing on. Um, and then we opened the school <laughs> and I realized I have no clue how to run a music school. And so, all of my time, truly, since we opened, has been spent learning how to run and operate a business. Mm. And those marketing plans that I had created, all those complex campaigns, are collecting dust right now. Mm.
2: And
0: that's why I'm really excited to talk to you because um, what I <laughs> what I had assumed was going to happen, and the only way that I would be successful, is to execute all these crazy marketing plans I had. And it turns out. I have done basic marketing and it's been wildly successful. And I think that's that's what I can attribute to the success of Rock U and how we're doing is um, what I like to call a very simple concept, purposeful and intentional marketing. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of the, the setting the stage for everything is that I had a lot of plans for what I wanted my marketing campaigns to be they were going to be complex they were going to be very multifunctional there's going to be a lot of dynamic aspects to them and i haven't done any of that it's been very basic very foundational but it's been purposeful and intentional and even though it's been basic it's we've done it well hmm. um, and so that's that's been a big aha moment for me um, realizing that you know the basics do work
2: so yeah so i'm not going to Influence your but I influence try to or try to influence you or influence you or whatever. Um, so when I think about growing this business or thought about growing my studio business, there were particular focuses that I had. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give you an example. One for the studio. One of the main focus numbers that I had was focusing on. How many people are actually discovering my website every single month? So that was like a focus area. And then like I had a focus on okay, what's the main way I'm going to bring people to my website? Like th- this was the way that I thought. I'm curious, what are you focusing on? I-, I wanna I wanna put a pin in like what those actual basic and foundational marketing things you sure. were doing. I'm gonna I'm gonna save that for a minute. I wanna even know what you're at the top level thinking, like, what are you even focusing on when it comes to your marketing? my focus is
0: so a couple of things there there's kind of two primary things that I'm focusing on and that is one I want to make sure that when someone interacts with my brand any marketing I do they know exactly who we are and why we exist So all of our marketing everything we've done, Is looking through the lens of what is our value proposition so that anytime someone interacts with anything Rocky related, whether that's our website, a landing page, an email, a social campaign, our Google ads, once they've interacted with the brand, seen what we do, they know exactly who we are. So then when they go through the process and we go through lead conversion, by the time they filled out the form on my website, they know exactly who we are and what they're going to get. And it makes all of our conversions that much easier. And so what I'm looking at from a marketing standpoint is making sure that I'm staying true to what my value proposition is. And making sure that everything I'm doing when I'm creating content for marketing is looking at it through the lens of that value prop and our mission and our vision. Because then when people are interacting with anything Rocky related, again, they know exactly what they're getting. They know what makes us awesome. They know what differentiates us from all the other brands in the market, all the other music schools, music teachers that are around here. And it makes our job that much easier when it's time to convert them. Um, and so when I'm looking at metrics, you know, I'm really just focused on web traffic. A, how many people are coming to my site? And then how many conversions we're getting? So, it's really important to me to make sure we've got as high of a conversion rate as possible because that shows that once people have interacted with our brand, they get it and they're ready to roll. So, for us, you know, when we, uh, you know, metric off the top of my head, anytime someone fills out our contact us form, on any given month, we've got between a 60 and 75% conversion rate in converting those to to students, which is pretty awesome. I mean, looking back historically at, you know, um, any of the product marketing I've done in the last decade, if I could get a 75% conversion rate, I'd be running the company. I mean, that's that's insane. Yeah. And so it just, it just goes to show that kind of being purposeful with how we're doing things is working in the end because we're seeing such great conversion rates. And we're
2: seeing those enrollments continue to increase. Yeah. You, you said... Um, you said... You really stressed this. Like Anyone who interacts with us, they know who we are. They know what we stand for. It makes conversion easier. I noted that. So for you, that means staying true to what your value proposition is, all that sort of thing. Those... I'm I'm not criticizing it. Those are abstract concepts. What does that actually translate to in terms of actions that you're doing? Or maybe... So either A, one-time actions that you did or B, ongoing actions that you're doing that um, if someone saw you actually doing the work of marketing, not thinking about your marketing, what would they see? They would see that... um,
0: So things like repetitive phrases, Um, you know, we're always using that value proposition. So for us, our value proposition is that we are not your typical music school, have fun learning guitar, piano, things like that. So we're already, we're always reinforcing the language that we use in that value proposition in a lot of our marketing. And it comes across also in the voice and tone that we're using. So um, if you hop on our website or anything like that, you'll notice that the voice and tone of the website is edgy. It's fun. It's funky. And it's designed to be that way because what we try to do in our marketing is shatter kind of the norm of what typical traditional music school, music lesson experiences are like the kind that I had growing up where, you know, you're for piano lessons, you're taking piano lessons from the church lady in the basement. Um, And so I think we actually even use that phrase on our website. So all of our marketing is done with kind of that focus and looking at through that lens. Um... And then again, that's, that carries across through all the content we're creating, whether that's web copy, landing page copy, uh, ad campaign copy, uh, even print copy, things like that.
2: We'll mm. play devil's advocate here for a second. Do it. Because you it sounds like you have a voice, a tone, a message that is working. Um, is there anything that you think contributes to it working? Because... I know schools where they do have a tagline but they aren't necessarily getting the result that you're getting like what do you think about what do you think might be the secret sauce or like some kind of magic that you have underneath that um you know cuz someone could you know you you mentioned repetitive phrases like someone could take the most generic like we make lessons fun for kids and repeat it over and over and over again but it wouldn't maybe necessarily translate into them getting a hundred students in six months. You know what I mean? So I'm curious if there's anything else that you would, uh, say like this might be the X factor or reject the proposition. If you think, no, I don't think, I, I don't think I'm going to answer that question, but I'm curious if I'm curious what you, how you re- reply to everything I just said. So for, I, I I had an answer pop up right away. Um, and
0: honestly it's research. So for me, it was competitive research before we opened. um, you know, the secret sauce for what works for Rock U isn't going to work everywhere else Everywhere else, because of the competitive landscape of what we've got here in the Twin Cities in where my school's located in Woodbury, Minnesota. So there are other music schools around here. There's other franchises. There's, you know, guitar stores, things like that. But none of those places are offering what we're offering through the lens of how we're offering it. So, you know, they're, they're conservatories. They're more old school they're teaching lessons in the back of the music studio, things like that. And so the reason that I've been so purposeful and intentional with the, the voice and the tone is because I know that that is a gap in the market where we exist. And so we're feeling that need for parents or students who have not had the kind of customer experience that we provide at Rock U. And that's what's fascinating. Because what people are uh used to having what people are expecting when they're Googling uh piano lessons near me is they're expecting the church lady in the basement. They're expecting the fluorescent lit studio uh in the back of the music in the back of the music shop. Yes. We provide something that is completely opposite to that. And it's all because of the competitive research I did when I decided to open my music school and say, hey, here's this idea I've got I've got about what I want this to be. Does this exist here? And it didn't. And so what we're doing, the secret sauce for us is that we're feeling a need in the market that doesn't exist.
2: Nice. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. And I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com/slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com/slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. I'm glad we delved into kind of that more messaging component. It's it's interesting, Brian, because in in reality, you're actually kind of you're you're kind of describing what I take people through in my masterclass marketing training. It's just fascinating how much this overlaps with exactly what I teach studios to do. And you've never taken it because you don't need to. Like you could probably teach it yourself. To be honest, um, that's just funny to me. Um, <laughs> but you know, and this is something I say in the marketing for the masterclass is that I didn't make this stuff up. Yeah, I'm just like, I like some people, I think like, you know, they come in, they have no idea because they've never taken a marketing training before. They're not really marketers, they're teachers, as you were saying. Mm -hmm. And they'll say something to me, you know, me that makes me realize like, oh, they're, they're, they're trying to figure out like, what this actually is. And I'll say, um, I'm not reinventing the wheel here. I'm not like claiming that I've come up with some kind of fancy new thing. I'm taking traditional principles and marketing, deep, time-honored principles. And I've just applied them to our industry. And then I'm um, giving you as many copy-paste templates as I possibly can to cut your learning curve down. Because it took me a long time. Right. It's Trial and error. And um, anyway. So um, I wanted to get to that other question, though. like In terms of your marketing diet, what are you actually doing in terms of tactical things? I'm curious. Yep. So, um, we've got a few things and this is kind of, again,
0: we're doing the basics. And so it's not like I'm not, you know, our success and how we're growing. I I did the research because, you know, you and I have had this conversation. I'm a data nerd. I dive into metrics. I dive into what's working, what's not working. And, um, at the end, I'm actually going to tell you what's working the best and it's going to be completely opposite of what my entire career has been like and kind of Ooh, all that. So, um, but basically, you know, we're, we're, again, we're doing the basics. So when I'm, again, kind of going back, whenever we're creating anything from marketing standpoint, everything is done through the lens of our value proposition, our mission and our vision and everything. And so all the content is created that way. Um, so that again, once people interact with the brand... They know what they're getting right away. So for me, brand identity is so important because that's the foundation of how we create all things marketing. And so we're really just kind of doing the basics. So um, social campaigns, uh, Facebook. However, I've scaled back Facebook because that is proving to not be as successful as it I thought it was going to be. Um, When we started off... Oh, go ahead. Are you talking ads or are you talking more organic things? Both. We're we're doing things from an organic standpoint. We're constantly updating Facebook, but we had when um, we did a a, what I call the waitlist campaign before we opened. That's how we had 35 when we uh, for 35 students enrolled when we opened back in June 1st. Is that we ran a Facebook waitlist campaign and a a Google AdWords waitlist campaign to get people pre-enrolled for the school. Um, That worked really well, but once the school opened, I was continuing to, to tweak all the Facebook messaging the paid campaigns and we were just getting any returns on it. The results were pretty negligible. Um, Mm. and per lead was just not, it wasn't working for me. So I've actually scaled back all of our paid advertising on Facebook. Um, I've taken that money and put it into Google AdWords because we were seeing better returns on that. Um, fewer, not as many conversions as I would actually have expected through Google AdWords, but still getting a lot of good impressions and a lot of traffic on the website. Um, I'm sure that if I, I, I did some analysis and kind of figuring out, looking what you know, looking at lead attribution, kind of where leads came from, some of those who converted later probably started at Google AdWords.
2: Um, but again, mm. I have the time to. I haven't had the time to go to the funnel and figure yeah. out where converting from. When you're um, talking Google Ads, are you doing search network only, or are you using display as well? Only search network. Okay. Yep. No, no display. Um, and again, that's
0: just one thing because just budgets we're starting off. (laughs) It's not a a budget to work with. Um, But then a lot of what we're relying on then is once we've captured information. So you filled out our form, you've subscribed to our new newsletter, anything like that. uh, Really relying on that list to be marketing to. So nurture campaigns, uh, lead nurture campaigns, um, uh, trickle marketing, things like that. So once you've interacted with our brand, depending on how you've interacted with the website, you'll get a series of emails from us. So if it's you know if you fill out the form on our website, you're on in one nurture campaign where you get a series of five to six emails from us that kind of reinforce that value proposition, telling more about the school, why you should take lessons from us, things like that. If you uh, just enroll for the newsletter or sign up for the newsletter, you're in a separate nurture campaign where you're more just getting basic information from us with the end result of hoping to get you back to our contact us form where you then want to enroll to be a part of the school. Or you know if you're looking at uh when I'm running uh when we were running Facebook ads. Um, you know, initially, or really what we were looking for is impressions and not clicks. Because we are a brand new brand in the marketplace. Nobody had ever heard of Rock You. So when I was creating my paid campaigns on Facebook, my goal was impressions. So eyeballs on Rock You. So people knew who you we were, as opposed to clicks. And so the whole campaign was designed for that. And you know, when you're setting up Facebook ads, um You can kind of tell it what your end goal is. And so everything for us was all about impressions because we wanted just to get the brand out in the market. Um, Same with Google AdWords. Um, You know, we were all about impressions. Everything was, I wasn't more, I wasn't focused on CTR or click through rates. I was more focused on eyeballs and impressions and how many people actually saw Rocky Music School
2: when they were searching for something. And you're still talking Google. Oh, right. Okay. So let me ask a question then, a deep technical (laughs) question, because I don't know if you know this about me, but Google Ads is like my strongest. That's where my strongest experience is. Okay. Did, did you know that? I d- I thought, I think I did. I okay. think I've seen a couple of videos where you've nerded out on Google AdWords, which is awesome. Okay. So when you are talking, you're prioritizing impressions and not CTR. Are you saying that like you'll bid for keywords that are non relevant um, and still show them a piano ad? Like maybe you might bid for dance lessons, but you're still showing them a Rock You ad or maybe even like child activities? Or are you staying more within a traditional range of keywords? I'm curious what you'd do there. I'm sticking with traditional keywords.
0: Um, The reason being is that my primary competition in our local area are established schools and established brands who have budget and have been around for 20-25 years. So um, what I need to be doing right now is focusing in on the basic keywords, guitar lessons, piano lessons. And and kind of our paid campaigns are pointing in on that, so that we can get more paid traffic, which then also will be supplemented with our organic traffic, so that eventually at some point we'll start ranking first page when someone's looking for piano lessons, guitar lessons near me. Um, but it's you know as you know when you're starting off a brand, we're six months old. It takes a while to build up your search profile. It takes a while for the algorithms to catch up to what you're doing, um, and you can optimize your website as best you can, but it takes time. You know, we, you can have the best optimized site, the greatest content, but it's still going to take Google a long time to index you to know that you're a big deal. You're awesome. We need to rank you on page one. Yeah. Well, my goal right now is a supplement in the meantime with paid search to kind of get myself into those, those more top of mind keywords that yeah. can like, you know, with our lessons, yes, kind of speeding up the process to then where we get the organic traffic
2: that was kind of created because we focused so much on paid in the start. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and that's uh, pretty traditional. A lot of times, if someone invests in an SEO campaign, a lot of times those SEOs will actually even like do a um, a Google campaign just to. In those initial like three to six months where the SEO hasn't quite kicked in yet, they'll do like Google ads. I did an interview with a guy named Adam a couple months ago who's a really good SEO um, uh, contractor, and and that's what he does whenever he has someone um, work with uh, when when they work with him, he he does like some Google ad campaigns first to kind of boost their rankings in those barren first three to six months. So. so you did Facebook ads, but back away from it, you did Google ads. Is there anything else you've been doing? Uh, and, and again, it's, it's relying on our, our email list, which,
0: and, and a lot of what we're doing is trying to grow that email list because we know that that's, that's where a lot of our audience and where our, a lot of our conversions are going to come from. When you've How many captured, do you have on
2: it right now? It's
0: not big. It's only 400 names. Okay. Um, but, you know, our, all of our, a lot of our marketing
2: is only to get people to sign up for the newsletter. Um, okay. Inter- okay, you know, so let me, let me ask about that. Let me ask you about that, because you said that you put people on your email list if they filled out your contact form. But my hunch is you haven't had four hundred people fill out your contact form. It sounds like some of these people just subscribed to your newsletter. How in the world did you get them to do? How did you get them to subscribe to a newsletter for a music school?
0: Uh, because again, I, I think it's in our content. People see that we're doing something cool; they want to learn more. And also, we've got a lot of kind of coming soon type of information about group classes, about different things that we're going to end up offering. So people want to kind of, they want to get updates from us. So um, if you, ha- you know check out our website, our, above the fold, our primary CTA is the contact us form. So first thing you see, click that, you'll get right to the form. But the bottom on the footer, we've always got our, our newsletter, sign up for our newsletter. So two, two separate CTAs for two very separate purposes. Mm. And it's not, it's, we're not driving people to the newsletter. It's more of a passive thing. Whereas obviously the, the primary thing is to get people to want to enroll for lessons. Yeah, and, and of course. Platform. Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of it is mostly curiosity is people want to learn more about us and what we're doing and kind of checking it out. And we, we I think we have a pretty cool newsletter. It's nothing too crazy or exciting. You know, it's always, we send it monthly. It's only four or five blocks of content and all of it is reinforcing things that we're doing from a group class standpoint or blog posts we've written um, and trying to drive traffic back to the website for the people that haven't converted. So the newsletter also is another kind of conversion tool that we're using for, for people who filled out only the newsletter, but haven't converted to lessons. Whereas we're always trying to sell them on something, whether it's a group class or an offer or something like that to get them to come back and convert.
2: Yeah. So you are, you are using unique offers to kind of grab people's attention as opposed to kind of just the general always on sale piano lessons or guitar lessons or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Our, our lit, we, we did a Black Friday special that just
0: completely killed. It was awesome. Um, we, we That one, uh, I didn't do any paid campaigns for it. It was all organic. Um, but it was it was something that was just a fate. We'd posted stuff on Facebook, did a quick newsletter campaign, sent out to our newsletter. Um, it was in the newsletter. Then we sent out a separate email to everybody on the newsletter list about the, the Black Friday campaign. Um, but it, it, it was great. I mean, I think we got 25 new students.
2: Wow, that's 13. great.
0: Campaign.
2: Um, maybe I'll kind of wind down with just a few like really short questions here. Um, I'm curious about how many leads are you averaging a month, and those are people who basically filled out the contact form, like saying, "Hey, I'm raising my hand, I'm interested." And, like, how many? How many people? I'm sure it's grown over time, but what, what do you? What do you? What have you seen? Uh, on average, it's between 25 to 35 or 20 to 30.
0: Um And it, it's hard to say because it's fluctuated and we've only been open for six months. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, we, we saw a big spike in December with that Black Friday special. But um, I would say our average is we're seeing between 20 and 30 leads a month. Okay. And then converting on 60 to 70% of those leads, if not more sometimes. Yeah. How
2: many newsletter signups have you gotten each month? Oh, let's see. 50-ish probably. I
0: mean, I'm just doing the math in my head because we got around 300 and divide that by six months.
2: This is the most surprising thing to me. Um, Newsletter? Yeah, I've never really taught that as a tactic because I I just never did it myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, you know, so, I mean, grow your music studio. It's not like I don't know how to get someone to sign up for a newsletter. Like that's what this business is built on. But... That's because in my view, people coming to uh, a music studio owner coming to a website that's designed to give information about that, there's obviously some tantalizing things that we can put out in front of them. Like our, our ebook, our main ebook that, you know, I made about six years ago this time um, has been downloaded something like 10,000 times. Um, um, You know, we have all kinds of content upgrades all over the blog, but you don't, in, in this this is leading to a question, by the way, but I'm framing it in such a way because I actually want to learn something from you here. Um, when I imagine someone coming to a music studio website, I don't imagine them like looking for information on like, well, how should my ha- child's hand position be on the piano? Or yeah. what's the best guitar to buy? So it's like, to me, there's nothing that I could offer them that in my mind that would make them join a newsletter. So I I know I kind of asked this before but I'm going to ask it again a second time cuz maybe I just didn't understand you but like what is so tantalizing cuz to me it's like okay if I could get them to sign up to be a lead or get them to sign up to join the newsletter I'd rather just have them be a lead. But it yeah. sounds like you're getting both. Like you're getting the lead but you're also you you've got something there it's making someone say like, yeah, I actually want to be on this guy's newsletter. So maybe just describe that a little bit more to me because that really, it surprises me, it confuses me, it perplexes me. <laughs> well, I will say this. I will say that
0: I, I think the disproportionate amount that we see also comes from, and this is kind of where I want, what I was going to bring up later, kind of the, the weird thing about why I think we're being so successful. A lot of it comes from our ground game, meaning events we're doing Booths we're setting up at community events, chamber of commerce events, things like that. We're getting people to okay. so. At any time we've got, you know, so like, yeah, backtracking. So that is kind of one of the biggest things, the biggest takeaways that I've experienced in six months here um, is that digital marketing is great. It's how we're getting our brand established. It's how we're getting a lot of the word out about what we do. But where I'm seeing the most success is the ground game, is networking and our network, our community. And that has honestly been the biggest aha moment and the biggest X factor and the biggest confusing thing about opening up this business. Um, and so to your point, a lot of times for all of time we're doing any kind of an event, if we've got a booth set up, something like that, uh, we've always got an offer. Um, so, and it's, you know, just, it could just be a QR code out on a, on the table or something like that mm. on clicks the picture and they get taken to a specific landing page just for that event.
1: But then obviously
0: whenever they do that, they're signing up for the newsletter as well. And so there's a lot of that and kind of those things are also adding up as well. And so I think that that, that, I think that's kind of where that disproportionate number comes from because as I'm kind of going through the numbers in my head, I am realizing that a lot of those submissions have been from small events that we're doing within the community. And wow, that has been the, Craziest part about all this is that so whenever we, whenever someone form um, fills out the form on our website, we purposely don't allow them to register for lessons because we want to basically get them on the phone for a couple of reasons. One, we want to fit them with a music teacher that we think is going to work best for them. We talk about the student, uh, the student's goals. Have they taken lessons before? What kind of music they are they into? What do they want to learn? Obviously, so we can fit them with a teacher. But then I can also reinforce the value proposition, talk about what makes us different, why you should take with us, what's going to be different than if you take lessons from a different school or a different teacher, why you should come with us. But then we always ask, how did you hear about us? And because that, to me, that's super important because a lot of times, you know, you, that's a metric that you can't get unless you get somebody on the phone. And a, an abnormally high percentage has been, I heard about you from my neighbor. I saw you. I saw your booth at the event this summer. Um, Jimmy, my barber told me about you. I mean, it's, it's all over the map. And it's been the vast majority of our people enrolling at our school have said it, it's, it's word of mouth. Mm. And that has been fascinating. And so, you know, really, I think if there's one lesson that I've learned, it's that digital is still king, in my opinion. It's what I spent my career doing. But old fashioned counting the pavement is just as, if not more, important. So taking the time to go out, network with people, um, get involved in your chamber of commerce. Do all of the community fairs, community events in and around your community. You know, have a booth, which you can make for super cheap online. Um, And then also, you know, reach out to other businesses that you could potentially form partnerships with that have a mutually beneficial partnership. Um, And those have been the biggest things for me because what Mm -hmm. I've learned is that small local businesses want to help out other local businesses and they're excited to. And a lot of times it's, you know, these things come up and you don't even expect it. And all of a sudden you've got five new leads because the, the place where my kids get their hair cut at, the the stylist started talking about Rock You to other kids' hair she was cutting. And then uh, and now we've got a handout for that, you know, for that, that stylist. I mean, it's just, it's all those little things are adding up to help create this, this momentum that was completely
2: unexpected. I I just have like a billion questions that I cannot ask you at this point. Um, (laughs) like, um, um, in that, in, in that, uh, your answer totally makes sense. Like, in so the answer that to my original question, you've totally answered the billion questions yep. that are coming up for me is just like um, because you know what you're talking about there. I was involved in my chamber of commerce. I don't know if I've ever mentioned that once in any video I've made for Grow over the last five years. And one of the things that I'm really conscientious of is like I and and you know and becoming a marketing coach for a lot of music schools like. I, my first round of learning personally was like oh there's a lot of things that i forgot that i was doing that actually contributed to this it wasn't just the google ads yeah. and when i when i was kind of making version 2.0 of my trainings i really had to take that into account and i think people get in there and they do the google ads and they start getting results and then it's like they, you know, they've done all this stuff because, like I said, I have them kind of go through the same um, a curriculum of like coming up with what you know. Why should people go to you and not the person down the street? Well, you know, I'm good. Okay, we gotta <laughs> we gotta be a little more confident than that, you know. Like, um, <laughs> but but getting to my point, like um, I think people get in and, and they do that, and it's been such a you know kind of a a, a, a year defining effort. You know, the biggest thing they did this year, and it's just like. I need a break. It's like, oh no, you can't just stop a Google ads, dude. You know, like there's, there's other things that I was doing that were kind of running alongside of this. Like even in my studio, Google ads probably represented 25% of the monthly traffic I was getting to my site. Um, You know, so you got to have a bigger diet than just, anyway, you know this, but it's just kind of fascinating to me. Um, Maybe a last... Question or two here. Um, is there anything that you think is worth noting that I, I haven't asked a question about? Like, What do you wish I would have asked you? Because you're like, oh, I'd love to really talk to him about that. That's a great question. Um, I think one thing that is super
0: important that maybe, maybe it's... Some, and I'm sure you talk about this in, in your masterclass and everything. But is the, the value of a marketing automation tool. And how important that can be for any school um, for a couple reasons. Number one being that when you say marketing automation tool, people who don't know anything about marketing freak out and they're like, "There's no way I could ever do that. That sounds yeah." Describe this. Describe what you mean by that. So, a marketing automation tool is a way is a tool that you can use to handle all your email marketing uh social marketing, landing pages, you can even run a website on it, things like that. But it's what's so great about how marketing op- uh, automation tools work nowadays, is they all operate on what's called basically WYSIWYG editors. What you see is what you get. Yeah. So everything that you do is drag and drop. And someone who has never done any marketing, never done anything outside of sending an email on their Gmail account, can easily create beautiful looking emails by using templates that are pre-canned, things like that. And I think that is such a game changer that a lot of people don't utilize because it's it seems scary. But they're designed now for business owners, small business owners like ourselves, who, don't, who might not have marketing experience. And so they make it as easy as possible to create emails, create landing pages. That is one of the other things too, is how the value of landing pages. There's a lot of times... I do a lot of competitive research... And clicking on a Google, you know, clicking on a Google search and you click on a campaign that you know is an AdWord campaign and it takes you right to the homepage of the website. And it's like, well, that that's not reinforcing what your ad was just telling me. Landing pages are so crucial to be able to convert leads right then and there. And people hear landing pages and they think, well, that's, I don't know how to code a, a website or a landing page, but with a marketing automation tool, it's all drag and drop. And it's all super easy. It creates a URL for you and it couldn't be easier. And I think that that is something that is so valuable that that any music school owner should look at and invest the time to learning how to do because it is a total game changer with the ease of marketing and the power and
2: impact you can get out of something like that. What? um, Just name drop for me. What are you using? uh, So we use MailChimp. Okay. And they handle all
0: those things you just described? It handles, uh, I, use, I use MailChimp to handle all of our social, all, or all of our email, and then all of our landing pages. And it's all done through there. It's incredibly simple. Um, you know, I, I have the ability to code a few things here and there, but I don't have time for it. I don't, I don't yeah. want to. Um, and these tools make things look great now. And the same can be for websites. Um, I know we've talked about this on a previous coaching call, um, but the value of how great a website looks is. Is undeniable and something like the Wix website or a Squarespace website. It couldn't be easier to build your own website anymore. You just select a template that you think looks good, put your content in, and boom, you're off and running and not looking like a WordPress site from 1998,
2: you know? Right, yes, yeah. Uh, just you know. <laughs> For my own studio. And then because I was using it for my studio when I started Grow, I was using them for Grow as well. And then since I built Grow on top of these tools, I really haven't migrated away from them. Um, I use Git response for our email. I use lead pages primarily for our landing pages, although we've used Go high level and ClickFunnels as well. Um, I'm trying to think of other automation tools. We use like Sumo. Um, those have some really cool features and it's pretty expensive. Uh, I think it's a little bit more advanced. Um, but and yeah, so that's this just kind cool of the thing, In the marketing automation tool market, you've got, a, you, you,
0: I mean, there are hundreds, oh, yeah. if thousands of brands out there. Um, and I mean, you can go all the way from beginner level like a MailChimp up to, you know, Salesforce automation, you know, Salesforce marketing cloud. I mean, it, you can kind of run the whole unit of everything in between. Um, but, you know, the, the thing is with small businesses like ours, you don't need the fancy
1: stuff. Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, Would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.